like everything that's really big in life, it's so much bigger until you take that first step. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were going to go skydiving, if you were going to do any of these other things that would create a lot of adrenaline in your body, that buildup is, it, it creates a lot of anxiety. And it's the same kind of thing. It's, you've got to have faith that you are about to do something that's right for you. Welcome to the Crossing It Off Podcast, where we believe living with intention through a bucket list lifestyle is a great way to bring yourself personal joy. As you are crossing items off your list, you're actually filling up your bucket. The more items you cross off, the more joy gets added, until eventually your joy spills over into the lives of those around you. My name is Roger Williams, and as the host of this show, I will be interviewing guests, people just like you, that are crossing items off their own bucket list. My hope is that by hearing these stories, you will be inspired and empowered to cross items off your own bucket list. When you find something impactful for your journey, we invite you to share the episode with one other person and leave an honest rating or review of the show. This is an amazing way for you to gift those feelings of inspiration and joy to others. Now let's start crossing it off together. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Crossing Off Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear my guest story today. It could be a little scary if you put this on your bucket list. So we're going to ask her lots of questions. Her name is Kakua Kobashigawa. She describes herself as a best-selling author, mentor, mom, and fun seeker. Kakua, thank you for being here and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So tell our listeners, what did you cross off your bucket list? I, for years, dreamed uh, I wanted to go swimming with sharks. That is uh, not something on my bucket list, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you may be able to convince me to put it on there. So tell us, what was the reasoning why you wanted to do this? When when did this all come about? When did you first say, I'm going to put this on my bucket list and here's why I'm going to do that? I've always loved sharks. Sharks are, there's, they're so beautiful. They're so elegant. There's you know, they're very maligned because they have big teeth mm-hmm. and because there's been lots of horror movies about them, but they're just another animal. I mean, a, uh, your pet dog could kill you just as easily as a shark could. Um, so I've always found them fascinating. I love oceanic life. And uh, a girlfriend of mine had told me that she had done it. And I was like, wow, that sounds so amazing. That sounds so like, you know, elite that must get my probably went to some crazy place and it <laughs> cost all this money. She was like, no, it's uh, it's on the North shore. You can, there's, there's actually places all around the world. You can do this reputably, maybe not so much, but there are definitely mm-hmm. a lot of places you can, you know, you can Google swimming with sharks and there's a lot of things will actually pop up. You know, once I found out that was possible, my daughter also loves sharks and we, you know, we sat down and talked about it and we thought we would love to do that together. My daughter just turned 20 the other day and we did this uh, a few years ago. It was one of, we decided on it to be her, one of her birthday presents. Nice. And yeah, we went up, there's a, there's a company on the North shore of Oahu called uh, One Ocean Diving and it's cage free. So you're actually in the water Oof. and it's, it's such a, it's a surreal experience. It's, it's so beautiful. I mean, if you, if you are afraid of the water, if you can't swim, if you've never been on a boat, it might be a little extra scary, but mm-hmm. once you get in the water and you like the depth of the blue is beautiful. It's very calming. You know, the, the lull of the waves is calming. And when you look at them in their natural environment, without any 
you know, dun, 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 that <laughs> kind of music going on and, and all of that. And you've been learning about them this, through the entire boat ride because you take, you know, you cook a couple miles offshore. You really just see them as an incredible, beautiful animal. There's there's body language that you can the same as you would with any other wild creature. If you were to go out and be in its environment, you'd want to learn about it. Sure. And understand, uh, you know, the way that it moves. What does this mean? What does that mean? how to not provoke it, how to be seen as just another animal in the, in the ecosystem. And when you get there, you've learned so much about it and you can just admire it. And you just see them interacting with each other. You see things that you didn't see before because you didn't know how to look. You know, if you went to another country and you saw two humans speaking, you wouldn't know how they were interacting except for with body language. And it's the same kind of thing, you know, we're just, we're just another animal in the ecosystem. And when you learn about that animal, you can really see the beauty of the way that it exists. Can you share a couple of those things that they shared with you on the boat, like to prepare you for the experience? What were some of the concrete examples of some of the things they said to look for, to watch out for? Some of the things to understand are their, so their body language is, you know, they can arch their back. They don't have, um, bones like we do, but they do have, of course, structure to their body and they can arch, they can turn, they can move faster, they move slower. So in the same way that, you know, if you're a, if you're a dog lover, you understand when a dog pricks its tail a certain way, when it pops its ears up, when it flattens its ears, things like that. So with a shark, um, their hierarchy is in the water column. So the, the verticality of where they are in the water closer to the surface is the more dominant animal. Um, and then of course the more submissive will swim somewhat below them. So looking for things like that, um, learning how to position yourself in the water so that you don't look like a submissive animal or a prey animal, um, the way that they move. So when they turn very tightly or when they, um, arch their back, so to speak, it's kind of a sign of get away from me. I don't, I don't appreciate this interaction. Sometimes they'll swim right next to each other, but just like any other animal, sometimes they're like, stop touching me, you know, (laughs) give me a little bit of space. The way that they will approach something and they'll nose it because like animals have whiskers, they don't have whiskers, but they have sensors on the bottom of their, I guess you might say their face, the bottom of their nose and, and underneath of their, their mouth, they have sensors. So they touch things. And that leads, of course, to a lot of people come, you know, if they're coming in, they're coming in mouth first. That's at the front of their body. (laughs) And people will often think it's about to bite me because it it just wants to touch the thing. It wants to come close to boats because they have electromagnetic sensors. And so they they can feel the electrical impulses coming off of the boat, off of the motor, you know, causing disturbance in the water. There's so much of that, that when you understand why they're drawn to it, it's a lot less scary. It's not like they want to come and to eat the boat apart so that they can get at you. They're just very curious about, you know, if you heard something in your backyard, you'd get up and be like, what is that? It's the same kind of thing. They're just, they're just checking it out. And it just so happens that the space around their mouth is what they use to do that. Right. So you got some of this knowledge, right? This knowledge based stuff to help you uh, enjoy the experience and, and make it a good experience what did you do to prepare your mind? Like, I, you know, I don't, even if I said, yeah, I'm, I'm gung ho. I'm ready to do this. There's still had, there were in my head, there'd be like a ton of fear, 
right? So what did you do for yourself to kind of mentally prepare yourself to do this besides the information and knowledge that you got about being near the animals? Um, for us, it was a little more of excitement than, than fear. Uh, in our, in our culture, I live in Hawaii where we are native Hawaiian. A shark is not necessarily something to be feared. Of course we have fear of it because it is, you know, Mm -hmm. those, those teeth are sharp and they're big, but we approach it with a little bit more, I would say an air of caution as opposed to fear Mm. Um, because I, I intend you no harm. And because I know that you intend me no harm, unless, you know, there's something wrong or you're hungry, it's less uh, fear and more just respect and curiosity. But I, I have taken other people um, to do this dive who are incredibly fearful before they get in the Mm -hmm. water, because until I bullied them into it, they never (laughs) had any desire to swim with, you know, sharks. And what I told them was like everything that's really big in life, it's so much bigger until you take that first step. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were going to go skydiving, if you were going to do any of these other things that would create a lot of adrenaline in your body, that buildup is, it it creates a lot of anxiety and it's the same kind of thing. It's, you've got to have faith that you are about to do something that's right for you. And know that the experience is going to change the moment that it starts. It's always that buildup. It's the flying up before you jump out of the plane. That's scary, right? right? It's the boat ride. It's the looking into the water before you get in the water. That's scary. Once you really start the experience and you are immersed in it, it's an entirely different. It's your, your body just changes in a way. I can't really describe it. It's the fear is like a buildup. And then once you get into the water and once you really see them, that just dissipates because it's more, it becomes a wonder and an awe instead of a fear. So paint us a picture of that, right? You get in the water and you're scubaing, right? You're, you're doing scuba. Uh, no, this was snorkeling. Okay. So you all just kind of on, on the top level, kind of looking around. What, what does that picture look like? The, you know, for you, what did you see? What was something that caught your eye that was like, what made it that wonderful thing that took your anxiety levels down? What, what was it there that you saw? Uh, part of it is honestly the depth of the blue looking. If, if you have a high visibility, you know, you can see really far down in the water column and you can see the water becoming darker and darker blue as it gets deeper And to see so many sharks below you, I mean, there could be anywhere from, you know, it could be as little as 10 to 30 to 50 sharks, uh, depending on where you go. And that in and of itself, you're just kind of in the same way that um, people laugh when I say this, but in the same way that you might watch an aquarium Mm. and it's, it's just little guppies and, and fish. And you're just kind of like, you're mesmerized by watching them move. It was just a, a much more grander version of that, that you just got to be a part of it. And, you know, if you're lucky, there will also be other wildlife in the area. So when you see that there are other, maybe there are dolphins, there could be barracuda, there could be any, any other kinds of fish and they're just all coexisting, (laughs) right? It's not like the second a fish comes around, there's a feeding frenzy because they eat everything in sight, which is what a lot of people fear. If they see you, they're going to eat you when you get to see so many other animals in the same space 
as this animal that you think of as a killer, you really can't deny it's not. It's just mm. another animal in the system. And that in and of itself is is a beautiful experience because there are most animals, we never get to see them in the wild. We only get to see them represented on TV or or in an aquarium. And to be able to see a truly 100% wild animal is it's a spiritual experience i would i would say it was for me that's awesome uh, what was something about the experience that maybe you didn't expect and that could be a good thing or a bad thing but was there something that like whoa i wasn't expecting this was there a moment like that i think i i didn't know to expect that there could be so many in the mm. same space so with the company that um that I would encourage people to look into because they are very conservation and science minded. It's run by a couple of literal shark scientists. I had no idea that there were just, they call them aggregate sites where it's just a place where sharks come and they like to hang out. You know, mm. it's just there. It's, it's just, it's their coffee shop. They just come and they cruise around and they're just hanging out together and that was completely new information to me. To, so to see so many just hanging out with each other and they're different kinds of sharks, you know, if you're lucky, you'll, you'll see multiple different kinds of sharks. It's like getting to be a, a fly on the wall in a place that you don't belong. And that's kind of a cool experience. Yeah, I imagine that would be. Here at the Crossing It Off podcast, we are passionate about inspiring you in your bucket list lifestyle and empowering you to live out your list. We offer many resources to assist you in your bucket list journey, such as web resources in the show notes, bucket list mentoring services, my book, Live Out Your Lists, a private Facebook group for you to share your bucket list success stories with others, and more. All of these can be found at crossingitoffpodcast.com. Find the resource that fits your need so that you can live out your list. Now back to the show. When you were done with that experience, you have had this, you know, like you said, kind of spiritual thing when you got back into the boat, right? How were you feeling when you got back into the boat? What was, what was your body telling you? What was your heart telling you? What was your mind telling you? Very peaceful. Mm. Like they, a strange combination of having of excitement because seeing something that I had been looking forward to for a long time and the peace of just, you know, being in the ocean is peaceful in and of itself and getting to satisfy an, a desire that you've had, especially one that may have had a little bit of fear attached to it. Mm -hmm. Once, you know, once you remove the fear and you just have the experience, there's a peace that comes with that little bit of conquering, you know, something that was holding you back inside. Did I'm I'm assuming I, I know the answer to this question, but did the experience live up to what you had created in your head before you went out and did it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It did. Yeah. If you were telling somebody about this story and they said, yeah, I'm thinking of, you know, that might be something I add to my bucket list besides just doing it right. Bullying people into it. Like you said earlier, what would be something that you would say, oh, if you're going to do this, you have to do X. What's the X? I would say you have to go with a company that is they're in business for the right reasons, because there are many companies that are they're just there to make money. There's no real educational component. There's there's no deeper value to it. There's no education that 
makes it a little bit more special. It's it's really more of a I'm just going to check the box kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of um, cage diving. There's a lot of places uh, in in I'm sure around the world where they chum the water. You know, they shift it from an a natural experience with a wild animal to like a pre set up kind of a situation, which is not at least for me, that's not the same thing. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't want to chum the water. I mean, that, that seems antithetical to being near those animals. To me, it's like tapping a, a pit bull on top of the head, you know? So you've talked a little bit about the conservation in your experience with, you know, setting this up. How did you know that this company was going to be reputable? What did you look for? What did you what were some of the things that you knew? Make sure that they're they're picking a, a reputable, good organization company that's going to not bring about a deficit to the environment and to the animals. Uh, I was fortunate and somebody had recommended it to me. Mm. Um, so once I had heard of it, I went and I looked into it. I love that the company is um, owned and operated by, uh, as I mentioned, actual shark scientists, shark conservationists. They've worked in that field for, you know, 20 plus years, it's their life's work. And they are very, very heavy on the um, educational aspect, as opposed to just the thrill. And so that that was really important to me. They, like I said, they don't feed the animals, they don't do anything to draw them in, they go to the place where they are naturally inclined to hang out, so that they're not really disrupting any kind of balance. They're not feeding a certain type of behavior. There are companies that do, they don't chum the water, but they go, uh, you know, when early morning fishermen go out and they come in before they come into the bay, they dump everything that they cut, right? They dump all the waste and the scraps. So there are areas where sharks will naturally come and hang out because they know that there's food there. And while that makes it really easy to go there and see them, you are going there and you're seeing animals that are in a, not a prey drive, but an eating right. mode because naturally that's what they're doing there. As opposed to when you go to an aggregate site, they're, they're just, they're literally just chilling. You're, you're watching them sit on the sofa, so to speak, <laughs> as opposed to watching them when they're hunting or watching them when they're trying to eat, you're seeing them while they're just chill. You mentioned cages. Um, mm-hmm. why would cages be n- not necessarily the best thing for the animal or for the environment? What, why would someone want to stay away from cages? I don't think cages are necessarily um, bad in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. There's, there's cage diving that is probably very, very, you know, responsibly done in the areas where there's cage diving here. It's because they're in the, the space where those animals are eating, so you don't want to be vulnerable in the water. You don't want that, you know, their teeth are this big and they're pointy and sharp and they can eat you. And if they're hungry and they get there and they smell the blood in the water, but there's no blood, you're a pretty weak animal. And if they are hungry enough, like they don't want to eat you. First of all, humans don't taste good because we eat a lot of stuff that make us fairly toxic. <laughs> Sharks do not, for for even the very small number of attacks quote unquote, that even happen worldwide, a minute amount of them are to actually trying to eat prey. Right. We don't taste good. We taste like crap to them. And they don't want to hunt because they are intelligent animals. They don't want to 
hunt something that is completely capable of fighting back. You know, they really are kind of closer to scavengers than they are predators most of the time. If there's an easy meal and they're hungry, they'll pick it off. But if it's not easy, they're not going to chase after it unless they are, they've been put into that predator drive. Blood is in the water. I am Mm -hmm. hungry. My, my hunger has been aroused and I see you. So in those instances, yeah, if I'm going to be in a spot where I know sharks tend to eat, I want to be in a cage. Yeah. I don't think the cage in and of itself is bad. It's it's more of the practices around it. Why is the cage necessary? Is mm-hmm. the cage necessary because you're putting the blood in the water? Because I tend to be a little more ecologically minded. That's the thing that I would look for. If if you're in the cage because they naturally tend to be eating in that area, that's one thing. But if if you're chumming the water, if you're changing their behavior, if you're altering the state, then I'm not really getting an authentic experience. I'm not really getting to see the animal naturally. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you're getting a safe experience either to me. So are there any other red flags that people could look for if they wanted to do this or things that they need to make sure that they're watching out for as far as? providing experience i would look into if you especially if you naturally have fear around it as most people do look into the track record with that company you know have they Mm. ever had an accident have they ever been cited have they been fined have they been taken their their license taken away depending on where you go there are some strict regulations around these kind of things especially when you then have a motor vehicle operating in the ocean right then then that falls under multiple agencies so if they've been questionable you'll probably be able to find it online. And if they are focused on nothing but profit and they really are not super concerned about that liability, you know, that's maybe not people you want to put your life in their hands. Looking back on the experience for yourself, Kekula, what was the transformation in you that happened? Was there something that changed in you? Was there something that got stronger or something that you know, you didn't know about yourself before you did this. I had even more confidence in being safe in environments where education can be important. When anytime you Mm. go into the wild, right, you are, you can be at the mercy of whatever else lives there in the same way. If you go into the city, you know, you're at the mercy of whatever people are around you. Same thing happens in the wild. And so when you're educated and you can understand what different body language means, what tendencies each animal has. When you understand that um, just like on land, there is an entire ecosystem that's operating and interacting. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's Mm -hmm. not there. And it sees you, whether you see it or not. Anytime you go into the ocean, there's a shark that sees you. You don't have a negative interaction because it doesn't want one. That's awesome. This has been really cool uh, to hear, and I'm super appreciative of all your uh, suggestions to find reputable dive groups. I think that's super important for people people to be mindful when they travel is, is a super important thing, but not just take, but to make sure that they're giving back. I appreciate that. What is something else on your bucket list that, that you're looking forward to in the, in the new year or in the next couple of years? I, um, <laughs> in, in line with the, my book, I have a mission. I'm a woman that came out of of an abused relationship and child. My, the abuse in my family tree is on every freaking branch. Mm. 
um, my next goal in life and everything that I've been working for, for this past year is I want to change that. I want to change that status quo. Almost every woman that, you know, will have experienced abuse of some sort and that it's, it's heavy on my heart after I healed out of my experiences to be the resource that can help that not be a true statistic anymore. Kekua, where can folks find you online to learn more about you, your book, that kind of stuff? Can you share that with us? My website is kekuak.com. That's my last initial, kekuak. And all the links to my different social media, I'm fairly active on all the big three, but all the links are there, contact information, anything that you might want to know. And of course, there's a contact form if, if somebody has questions or anything like that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your experience. It does make it sound a little less scary for me. Uh, and um, if, if, and when I ever get back to the Island, I'll, I will, I will look that up. Um, thank you for being here and sharing your story. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be, be here.